Welcome to the first special episode of Talking with You, a podcast where the student point of view matters. My name is Felix. And my name is Daniele. And we will be your hosts for today. This show looks to extend the conversation of the topic discussed at the podcast of the Institut d'Etudes Européennes to the students, for the students, and by the students. And at the same time, it seeks to give the students an open and safe space to discuss the topics that concern us the most. Today's episode was motivated by the anniversary of the Russian full-scale invasion in Ukraine, which happened last February the 24th. We could look past this date without honoring this event that has marked and impacted so many people. In this sense, today, we have invited two special guests, both originally from Ukraine, to share with us their input on what has happened in the last year, a perspective really close to what is happening in their country. Please welcome our guests, Sofia Nazarenko, editor at Eyes on Europe. Hi, Sofia. Hi. And Lev Simchenko, also an editor at Eyes on Europe. Hello. First of all, we would like to thank you both for being here today. We recognize that this is an emotional topic, so we really appreciate you being here sharing with us and our listeners this valuable insight. The first question I would like to ask you is how do you perceive the changes that Ukraine has been going through in the past years since the revolution of dignity in Maidan in 2013-14, before the beginning of the war? How has your country changed and how did you perceive this on a personal note? For me personally, I think Ukraine changed for better, even though you could find some negative uh, matters that happened uh, since the revolution of dignity. But I could say that, you know, Ukraine has proved that it is a European and democratic country. Mm -hmm. And how about you, Sofia? I agree with Lev, and I also want to say that uh, we made our European uh, choice to the European uh, Union, and we also uh, showed that we have our own identity, not just uh, Russians, but our mm -hmm. own cultural uh, culture and our own country uh, that and uh, we proved that we really want to rule our own country without Russians. Mm -hmm. So I also have a question for you. Monday the 24th of February 2022 has forever changed the history of Europe as Russia began its full-scale invasion of Ukraine's territory which is clearly in violation with international law. How did you both learn about the attack that day and what did you feel? That day, uh, Russians uh, didn't bomb uh, Zaporizhia, it's uh, my hometown, uh, but uh, I learned it from the news. I was shocked and uh, I think that maybe first week I had a feel of uh, hoping because I thought that it will they will not bomb us every day like uh, the during the Second World War, but they did and they do it now. I mean... I still cannot believe that it happened. And how about you, Lev? How did you learn about the attack and what did you feel? Well, I must begin with the fact that I've been waiting for it. I, I felt that it is coming by talking with my friends, talking uh, with the people who were working in the Ukrainian parliament, with the diplomats. But how did I learn about it? I was in anticipation uh, throughout a month 
probably waking up at five o'clock, checking my phone if the invasion started. And that day on the 24th, I remember I just opened my phone and I saw the post made by one of the organizations in, uh, in Canada, which is, well, Ukrainian organization, which said that Russia started the invasion. And then uh, I called my relatives in Ukraine to actually ask them what is happening, how, what are you doing? I'd say that's really terrible, actually, and it, it really shows that this day actually forever like altered also like personal life because it changed so much also for yourself and your experience, also for your families, which is which really horrible. Now, since the beginning of the invasion, the European Union and its member states have been supporting Ukraine via financial assistance, the reception of refugees and sending weapons. At first, quite hesitantly, it must be said, but now more and more. Can you tell us a little about what you think about the response the Union has given? First of all, I would like to say thank you to the European Union for supporting us. I think that uh, during this uh, year of full-scale invasion, uh, they did a lot, uh, for example, with uh, 10 uh, package of sanctions. For example, I I know that it was hard for European economy to make deal with it. But still, uh, but I think that anyway, war is still in Ukraine and we still need more weapons. We still need to fight with Russia and I won't just to ask for more weapons and uh, and that's all, because we really need this. And uh, how about you, Lev? Well, I think that the EU has made a lot. At the same time, what led to the invasion? To a certain extent, inactions towards Russia that were done by the EU member states. And uh, I think that the sanction packages that Sophie actually mentioned, they came a little bit too late. They should have been done before the invasion, so we could just see a peaceful Ukraine. But I wouldn't theorize about what would happen. We are in a reality, and uh, I think the EU must do more, as well as the member states, because it's their duty. I'm obviously thankful for that, but we need more weapons. Yeah, I agree uh, with with your opinion, and I can imagine how the feeling can be uh, bittersweet, in a way, because like on one side you're thankful, but on the other side, you're conscious that you need more and also that, as you said, that maybe more could have been done before to avoid the present situation. So we also have another question for you two guys. Your president, Ukraine's president Zelensky, declared in various speeches that Ukraine def- definitely intends to join the EU as it sees itself as a part of Europe and also like defending Europe at the moment. What do you personally, you two personally connect with EU membership And why is it to you so important in a personal way, but also for your country? Well, I must say that most of the Ukrainians, they associate themselves as Europeans. It's probably a trend that is very unusual for Europe and member states when the citizens actually think of themselves as Europeans. Um, But I think there's no other way around. Ukraine will be a part of Europe. It is a part of Europe and it will be a part of the European Union. Even though I do agree that Ukrainian domestic politics might be somewhat politicized and not very clear for the EU, there are always problems that arise. But I think it is imminent that Ukraine will become a member of uh, the European Union. And what do you like personally also connect with EU membership? So why why do you personally want also the Ukraine? Do you have any like feelings of 
put like you connect with the EU membership, open borders or something. Like there's so many like things. Well, obviously, I like the concept of the European Union and uh, open borders, not just for the people, but for for the goods uh, services. Being part of the revolution and my family being a part of the revolution, I think it proved the fact that we want to be Europeans. And that was a breaking point in the history of Ukraine for those who participated in the revolution of dignity. And, and what about you, Sofia? What do you think about that? I think that Ukraine and uh, Ukrainians paid uh, a huge uh, amount for uh, European choice. For example, we lost a lot of uh, people in this war and also uh, in revolution. So I think that uh, anyway, we should get uh, this uh, membership because we did a lot and now we are also doing a lot and we are doing reforms to get membership. I know that it will not be very fast way or very easy way for Ukraine, but I think that it's really good that we will have a lot of domestic uh, reforms, which is also going now, even during the war. And I hope my country will be more democratic because now it's more or less democratic. But still, I think that also we share a lot of same values with people from the European Union. So let's say uh, Poland and Ukraine, what's the difference? I mean, we are really close. And uh, I think why Poland can be as a part of uh, the EU and Ukraine cannot It's a question. And it's also a political question that if we will not be part of the EU, Russia also will invade maybe in five or ten years after this war. That's definitely a legitimate question. And I think there should be way more debate about that in any case. On some occasions, you specified that the war did not start one, but nine years ago. However, it seems to me that the Western public opinion is generally not fully aware of this fact. Do you think that this has affected the way events transpired in February 2022? And if yes, how? Yeah, I mean, you're completely right about that, to be honest. Because I think there is a problem with terminology. And uh, I mm -hmm. think the February of 2022 actually showed that Europe can cut those informal ties, stop the soft power of Russia that actually, it is propaganda that Russia actually spread the fact, tried to, to influence people's minds, not to say that it is the worst since 2014, since the invasion of Crimea. But yeah, it's now. I do think it's a, it is a huge problem in Europe that people think it started a year ago. Mm -hmm. But the fact that I think both Sofia and I, we have friends or our family families have friends that lost their lives due to the war and it is very disappointing for me especially knowing the people who died there and uh, Europeans not realizing and European politicians not realizing that this war is not going for one year it's going on for nine years mm -hmm. I completely agree with Lev and I also agree that Europeans didn't understand before this full-scale invasion about what's going on in Ukraine. And I mean, for me, it's clear that if somebody go to the territory of uh, another country and illegally occupy even a centimeter of this territory, it's a war and it's an invasion. And we cannot call it uh, by another words, because mm -hmm. I mean, even if you will not call it war, invasion, etc., But we, ha is. we have international law, so we should go directly according to this law. Mm -hmm. 
And do you think that if Europeans had understood it before, Europeans and Americans as well, I think, had understood it before, things would have gone differently? Of course, we will never know. But do you think they would have gone differently? I think, first of all, Europeans should understand the core of Russia and, let's say, Russian Empire and what in their mind. Because it's not... The first story of occupation territories and, okay, my country is Ukraine, but Russia occupied a lot of countries before. And it's also a question why Western countries did uh, not do something according to it. And, I mean, it's clear that we should really learn history and also we should seriously take into account what's going on in international affairs of Russia. Yeah. I completely agree. And I must say that Russia spread the the narrative, especially since 2014, that it's not a war, it's a conflict, mm. that it's a civil war, even though it is not. There mm -hmm. is facts. And this narrative, they were, were working very well in Europe and in America to actually perceive people to think this way. And I think February 2022 actually changed things in a different manner, but it didn't change one thing, that Russia is still full of imperial aspirations mm -hmm. to assert it in, its influence, not only in Ukraine, but in Georgia, in Moldova, in Syria, in Mali. You have too many examples, and unfortunately, the EU and um, America didn't act upon those signs early enough and uh, had to wait until this happened. Mm -hmm. I understand. Thank you both for the interesting insight. Normally, we would go over the questions sent to Sias and ISA Europe through our social media channels from our listeners. But as we are in a special episode, we also have prepared something special. On Saturday, the 25th of February, to commemorate the anniversary of the Russian aggression, a demonstration was held in Brussels in solidarity with Ukraine. Felix and Martina joined the march and had the opportunity to talk to several people about their personal views on the war and its consequences. Let's hear what they had to say. What has changed for you in the last year since the start of the war, also for you and your family, and how do you perceive like that change? My name is Klim, I live in Brussels and uh, I'm originally from Kiev, Ukraine. Well, I haven't seen my family for more than a year already, that's the first thing. Secondly, I think the total perception of the world changed, because when something unexpected like this happens and in such a cruel way, you cannot look at the things the same way. Actually, many things, first of all, I cannot return to my home country, I cannot meet my friends, I cannot meet my family. The most difficult part that we cannot reunite together. My name is Anton Hrinchenko, I'm from Ukraine, from Sumy. When the war begins, uh, I will be honest with you, yeah, half of my friends from my company in Ukraine, from the young age, they died. Can you image how it changed my life? I was not in Ukraine when it happens. Of course, it happens a long time ago. It's not one year of war, it's nine years already. And uh, for my my family, it's terrible time because no work, no money. My family lived 30 kilometers from Russian borders. And when Russian invade us in the first day, it's changed everything in our lives. My name is Anna. I'm 
uh, from Ukraine, uh, from Zaporizhia. I was uh, working for international organization for the last four years and living in Kyiv. Of course, war influenced my family, who was based in Zaporizhia region, so I took care about all of them. What is your perception towards the action of the EU concerning Ukraine? Well, as uh, most of the Ukrainians, I would say that uh, EU doesn't do enough, but uh, at the same time, I fully respect the democracy of European Union and I see that it's at the first place decision of the people who live in Europe what they want to do of course they have to sacrifice certain things like uh, some comfort things and uh, also for instance pay more for electricity and gas but if they understand the bigger picture if they understand why they're doing it and if they're doing it willingly I'm very thankful to them I think government uh, does everything that uh, it can so give us the weapons and uh, help for example uh, people in struggles and uh, make the documents for us find the accommodation for us so like the help is enough for me but support from the people I'm not sure because uh, I see a lot of support from uh, Belgians but I also see a lot of uh, bad uh, and controversial opinions from an older people because I heard a lot bad about myself I will answer just like our president in US no it's not enough give us more weapons but regarding the way they have handled the humanitarian side of it I'm honestly very grateful. The fact that they have opened the borders, they gave the temporary protection status, what border countries are doing like Poland, Romania and so on, that's amazing. So in my opinion, it's important that European Union stayed together, united, and yeah, I think they're doing really a lot. No other country has had that much support. Of course, we can say uh we need more and more and more and more and you will hear it uh, a long period because the Russia hu is huge country in the whole world and they try to uh, make the genocide and uh, how we can stop it we just try to ask can you make something more than you make before I think it's actually was a bit unexpected for all of us how the European countries united in this question so you're, you know it's the beginning it was a bit controversial but after a while it was very uh, fast response to, to the situation like of course we need more weapon but I don't think that it's a political question it's more military questions so, as you're not Ukrainian, why are you participating in the march? My name is Remy, and I came to the march just the same way as I did a year ago, because I think it's important to be here, first of all, to remember ourselves that this is still a very real struggle happening just next door on the European continent. And at the same time, because I keep on thinking of people there in Ukraine giving up their health and life for, for Ukraine and for Europe. Je m'appelle Anoushka, j'habite en Belgique à Liège et je suis ici surtout pour la mémoire de mes grands-parents qui ont fait beaucoup de choses pour l'Ukraine, dont notamment ma grand-mère qui nous qui nous a quitté il y a il y a un mois. Je suis là pour pour sa mémoire et puis et puis de toute façon, je ne suis pas d'accord avec tout ce qui se passe en Ukraine. I'm Davide, I'm from Italy and I'm participating in this march because uh, I believe in the values for which Ukraine is fighting, so freedom, standing up against totalitarianism and dictatorships. We still strong because just look around how many people here and uh, all of them support Ukraine. Unfortunately, we have reached the end of this episode. I would like to thank you, Sofia. 
Thank you for having us. And thank you also, Lev. Thank you very much. For joining us today in this discussion of this important but also really sad topic. In conclusion, we can say that we can only hope that the situation will get better and that Ukraine can find peace again. Thank you all for listening to the students' point of view. Until next time. This podcast was sponsored by the Institut d'Etudes Européennes of the Université Livre de Bruxelles, which we thank for the opportunity of this space.